Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise the Lord. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord on Wednesday night? Glad to be in church. Not just glad to be in church, but I'm glad to be at this church with some of the greatest people that I know in the world. If you would this evening, would you go with me to the book of Ezekiel? Ezekiel chapter 37. We're just going to go to the Lord in prayer uh, before we re- read the word this evening. Father, I love you. And I'm so thankful for the spirit of God that we feel in this place. God, I'm thankful for an appointed time and an appointed place that we can gather together and magnify your name and feast on your word. And what I'm asking you tonight, God, is to open our hearts and our minds God, whatever we may have faced today to get to this point, I'm asking you to help us to lay it down so that we can hear the word of the Lord as it goes forth and as it speaks to us. We thank you for that, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the whole house said amen. Why don't you step across the aisle and tell your neighbor one thing that you love about Wednesday night. Praise the Lord. Sounds like some some had several good things to say. Praise the Lord. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. God bless you. Ezekiel chapter 37 and verse 1, a familiar passage of Scripture that no doubt has been visited many times, but if I may pass by it one more time tonight. Ezekiel 37 and verse 1. Uh, we're going to read verse 1 through 10, and then I'm going to read one, pass, one verse of Scripture at the book of Zechariah. Ezekiel 37 and 1. If you have that in your Bible, say amen. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. And again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. 
And I will lay sinews upon you and will bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied there was a noise and behold a shaking and bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. And if you will go to verse 14 in that same chapter, and shall put my spirit, everybody say spirit, and shall put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I shall place you in your own land. Then shall ye know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. And if you'll just read on the screen with me in the book of Zechariah, chapter 4 and 6. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel. Say, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. Everybody say spirit one more time. Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. I just want to preach to us for the next little bit, if I may, from this this subject, principle without power. Principle without power. If I could, I would like to just run a short disclaimer this evening. And uh, regardless of what I say this evening, I am not casting stones or, or throwing rocks at the church we have the services that we have. We, we have some great Holy Ghost field services and I'm thankful to be a part of them. But if I could just, uh, if I could tag on with Pastor from what he said Sunday, I believe there's so much more. There's, there's so much more that God wants to do in our midst. So much more that he desires to see uh, transpire in our lives. And with that being said, just again, don't take anything too harsh this evening. In verse 1, the phrase, hand of the Lord upon me, is something that we will see throughout the Word of God. Many times we see that phrase, the hand of the Lord upon me. And this means to be taught or, or led or guided. Uh, some references say it means to be protected and empowered. And it's a wonderful thing to know that the hand of the Lord is upon our life. Isn't it? It's, it's, it's a peace. It's that peace that passes all understanding to know that God's hand is guiding my life. And if I submit myself to the will of God, I know that he's in control of what I'm doing. In that same verse of scripture, verse 1, Ezekiel used the phrase carried out in the spirit. That's where he was with God. He was in the spirit. And this evening, if we are ever going to see the glory of God revealed, if we're going if we're going to see the miraculous power of God unfold itself, we are going to have to get out of the flesh realm and get into the spirit realm. This is the reason why we don't see more glory and more power. This is the reason why we experience so little of the demonstration and the manifestation of the power of God. Oftentimes, Sister Boyette will show videos of, of um, 
missionaries and services that take place overseas and it, it seems like with, with, with every video there is one consistency and that that the power of God moves so mightily upon them and that is because they, they push, they press into that spirit and it is because of that that God does his work by the power of the Holy Ghost. And the only way to participate with God is to get in the spirit. It's not by might, not by power, but by spirit, saith the Lord. The spirit is not just the feeling of God touching you or or the feeling of God uh, moving on you. That's so often misunderstood in in the world of Pentecost today. If the hair stands up on the back of our neck or we get goosebumps on our arm, we, we think we're in the spirit of God. And that's not necessarily so. That is God moving, but it requires more than just a fuzzy feeling to get into the Spirit of God. There's some pressing that has to to take place. Uh, We have to move, and there's there's a dimension that we have to reach to be involved in the environment of God. John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And when John got in the Spirit, or if I could say it like this, when John got in the dimension of God, that's when he began to see the glory of God. He saw the feet like brass, so they had been burned in a furnace. He saw eyes as though they were burned with fire. And he saw a throne, and he heard angels, and he saw the altar of God. And to see what John saw, we're going to have to get where John was at. And that's in the Spirit of God. In our text this evening, Ezekiel was in the spirit, but this was nothing new to him. This was not the first time that he had experienced the spirit or the power of God. In chapter 1, Ezekiel again said in verse 3 that the hand of the Lord was upon him. This is when he saw a whirlwind of fire and and he saw living creatures and he saw the throne of God and he saw the appearance of a man who was on fire. And I, I know that this is going to come across maybe perhaps spooky or somewhat foolish to some, but that's where we belong. As apostolic Pentecostals in this day and hour, if we're going to see God move and do miraculous things in our midst, we're going to have to push. We're going to have to press to get into the Spirit of God. Paul Paul was speaking to the Galatians church in chapter 5 and verse 16. He says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. In verse 25 of the same chapter, he said, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And please don't misunderstand me this evening. I'm not insinuating that we should all walk around seeing angels everywhere and hearing voices and trumpets and having strange dreams and visions. Uh, if you're not experiencing that, that does not mean that you're not spiritual, contrary to what some people may, may think. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is that to experience the operation of the Holy Ghost, we've got to be full of the Holy Ghost. And we've got to walk in the Spirit. In other words, the realm of the glory of God's presence must become more important to us than this flesh realm. I have no idea what you went through this evening to get here. I know what I had to go through today to get here. And and sometimes that's so easy to bring that in into the service that we're in. That's why David said, I enter his courts with praise and thanksgiving. That wasn't just something David was doing to pass the time or try to impress God. What David was meaning there is we have to create an environment 
when we come into the house of the Lord, right, right out of the gate, we've got to create an environment that the Spirit of God can move into. It, it shouldn't be necessary for a, our worship leader to stand behind the mic and say, come on, everybody, let's clap, let's, 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 let's stand, let's, let's lift our hands. But when we come through the doors, we need to be pressing. If we're going to see healing, deliverance, miracles, signs and wonders, all of them emanate from the glory realm. All supernatural activity of the Spirit of God belongs to the kingdom of God. Jesus revealed to us that the power of the devil or the power to destroy the works of the devil or to cast out devil devils was the direct result of the kingdom of God being present. Jesus said in Matthew 12 and 28, but if you cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. The kingdom there represents the principle. And the Spirit of God is the power. Everybody say that with me. Principle, power. We may have the principle. We may talk about the principle. We may talk about the kingdom and sing about the kingdom and preach about the kingdom, but principle is not enough. Principle won't heal the sick. Principle won't deliver the bound and the oppressed. Principle won't set captives free. Principle will not save souls. Principle is the foundation. It's the doctrine on which we stand, and it is a must. It stabilizes us. It holds us in the right place. It brings us back to center, but the knowledge of truth is not enough. There's a lot of people that know that this is the truth, but without the power, this truth is useless. This is not by might, but by my power. You can know all the truth you want to know about healing and spend the rest of your life sick. You can know all the truth you want to know about salvation and find yourself in an eternal hell. But the kingdom of God is principle and power. 1 Corinthians 4 and 20, For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. 1 Thessalonians 1 and 5, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance as you know what manner of men were among you for your sake. Jude said in chapter 1 and verse 3, he said, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once. That word, when I was... uh, reading this and studying this, the word once jumped off the page to me. I've read it before, but but this particular time, I I think that Jude knew the Spirit was was inclining to Jude, and he knew that there would a, a time would come when the body of Christ would slip into a state of complacency. Jude right then was writing to this generation, I believe. He knew that it would begin to settle. Our generation would we're not careful, settle for a powerless faith, a faith without substance, a faith that consists only of words and ideas and philosophies. And if that's all we've got, then all we've got is a head faith. And a head faith is dead faith. It's a faith that nods its head and says, well, I I know the Bible's true. I know it's real. But we never press. We never press into the power. If we're not very careful... That's exactly where we will find ourselves as a church. That's why it's so important to hear the preached Word of God, to have Bible studies. Not not that we don't already know, but sometimes we have to remind ourselves, refresh ourselves, shake us, if you will, and know that in order to see revival, 
to see miracles, to see sons and daughters and husbands and wives and lost loved ones coming back to the Lord, then we're going to have to push ourselves to get into the Spirit. That's why I'm, I'm, such, a, I'm such a proponent for, for daughters of Zion because I'm a product of daughters of Zion. Jennifer's a product. I see Brother Chris and Sister Amy, others. Women took it upon themselves to come into this house on a designated night with pictures placed across this altar and they pushed. They refused to give up. They refused to sit back and, and wait and just see if God will do something. But they pushed and pressed into the presence of God to see people saved. And if we want to see things done in our life, we're going to have to take that very same type of attitude and refuse, refuse to give up and refuse to let the devil have our families, refuse to let the devil take control of our lives, refuse to let him rule our life, and we've got to press into the Spirit. Everything the Bible says is ours. Every promise, it belongs to us. It's our inheritance but even though you hold the title or the deed to a piece of property, if you don't take possession of it, what happens to a piece of property that you do nothing with? Thorns, thistles, overtake it. You've got to take the property. You've got to possess it. And you've got to do something with it. We have the truth. We have the knowledge. But we've got to take it and possess it. And when we start possessing, the power comes with it. God has willed his power to the church, it's our inheritance. It's the power of the Holy Ghost. It's the gifts of the Spirit, signs, wonders, healing. It's demonstration, it's manifestation, it's activities of the power of God. But the majority, and that may seem like a, I'm casting a large blanket, but the majority of the apostolic Pentecostals are satisfied with principle. Satisfied that their name is on the roll of a one God place of, of worship. Satisfied that they come to a church that proclaims the truth. Satisfied that, that they know it's true. Happy that it's there and that it belongs to us, it's inheritance. But they never possess it. And if we don't guard ourselves as a church... We're going to find ourselves just outside the realm of God. And when things come against us in our life, when tragedy strikes, when the devil comes knocking at our door, we're, if we're not in the spirit realm, if we're not in close contact with God, we're going to lose out because we don't have the power. And God is to and fro beckoning. There's, there's, the word has went forth. We, we've seen people come by and tell us everything that this church has the capabilities to become. And we all believe that. But talking about it ain't enough. We've got to step through the door. We can't hang out on the fence. We can't sit out on the other side of the fence. I, I, I come home, uh, I don't know, a week or so ago, and uh, the, the sun was beginning to set, and I had called my horses up and and was feeding them and fixing to shut them up. And, and all, all, all the cows was out back was over in the, the northeast corner. And one old long cow was by herself over there in the other corner, in the northwest corner. I said, something's wrong with her. She's just pacing back and two on the fence. 
I said, Sums, why ain't she with the herd? But I, I, I was tired, and, and I went on inside. In the morning, I get up, and I come out, and the sun's coming up, and I see that same cow still over by herself. I said, well, something's wrong. Let me go check. I got around there to her, and when I got to her, I could see that she had paced the fence all night long. She was leathered, lathered up in sweat. She was shaking. She was so nervous and so fidgety. I said, my goodness, what's, what's wrong with her? She kept looking at me, and she'd look across the fence. She'd look at me, and she'd look across the fence. I got out of the truck and I walked over toward where she was at and she stepped off just a little bit and nestled in the pine straw on the other side of the fence up under the bush was a little old calf. It was her calf. And she had stayed there all night with an anticipation of protecting that calf. And see, that calf thought he was protected. He could see mama. He could hear mama. He could, he could even at times feel the breath of mama. And sometimes I think as individuals, that's where we're at. We think just because we can see the Lord, we can feel the Lord, we, we know he's there, that everything's okay. But see what, what that young calf didn't know, that if, if, if by chance in the midnight hour, imminent danger, a pack of, a pack of coyotes or dogs could have come and there was nothing Nothing that that mother could have done to protect it. And if we don't get ourselves or find ourselves or press ourselves into the power of God, we're going to face something in our life. And, and God, no, no fault of his own, but he's going to be reaching and pulling and trying hard as he can. But he can't protect us because we've stayed so far away from the Spirit. We've stayed just on this side of the fence and we don't have the power of God in our life to overcome what has come against us. Jude warned us. He said, don't accept the powerless message. He said, don't be deceived, but he said, contend for the original faith that the early church had. It's vital to our living. It's what produced miracles and signs and wonders and healings and deliverance. Faith that doesn't produce or bring manifestation is head faith. And having head faith is only dead faith. If we can't manifest it and demonstrate it, then we really don't have it. We just have a profession. And there's a big difference between profession and possession. Let me say that. If we as a church, the preaching, the word of God that goes across this desk, if we can't manifest that and demonstrate that, we really don't have it. I'm not trying to be cold or calloused, but, but possession Profession is not enough. We've got to possess it. If I can't walk into North Florida Regional into a hospital room and lay my hands on somebody and pray for them, believing that the power of God will raise them up, I really don't have nothing at all. Brother Allen, if we, if we go into a nursing home and, and, and sing songs and play, and at the conclusion of the service, somewhat, someone wants to be prayed for, wants healing in their body, and I can't go lay hands on them and pray for them, I really don't have nothing. 
Brother Chris, if we preach a message behind that fence and at the end we can't give an altar call and lay our hands on a young man and pray for him knowing that the Lord has the power to fill him with the Holy Ghost. If I can't do that, I really don't, I don't have nothing at all. It's good to profess. It's good to be a light on a hill. But, but we, we, we've got to take possession. Jesus said when he, when he cast out devils, it was with principle and power. In other words, it was the word and it was the power. Paul said the kingdom is not word only. It's in the word. It's in the principle. It's in the truth. But the principle must produce power or it's dead. In other words, if, if I have the kingdom principle but I don't have the kingdom power, then all I have is words. And the kingdom of God is only present in the power. Wherever the kingdom of God is truly present, wherever you find God at, you'll find some power and he will be showing out. God produces what he speaks of and the people of God that are full of the Holy Ghost produces what the word speaks of. Romans 4 and 17 said, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. All of these things are in, in us, in the kingdom. God forbid if I profess to be full of the Holy Ghost and I go into the hardware store and, and when I leave, they all look around and say, Well, I thought he went out there to Hatchman Apostolic Church. He ain't got but just a little bit of what they proclaim to have. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. I know every, if anybody knows, I know that every day ain't perfect. And every day ain't going to go right. But when we're full of the Spirit of God, when we keep ourselves on track into the plan and the will of God, God can bring that peace that passes all understanding. Jesus said in Luke 17 and 21, Behold, the kingdom of God is in you. John said in 1 John 4 and 4, Ye are of God, little children, and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I'll go back to our text that we we read this evening in verse 7 of Ezekiel chapter 37. He said, So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them. And the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Let's look at that. Ezekiel, he says, I prophesied, which means nothing more to speak the truth or speak the word, and good things happened. Bones come together. Things got shook up. There was some noise. There was some sinews and some flesh, and and skin covered them, but there was no life. There was no breath. Principle and truth did some really good things. It brought them together. It shook loose some stuff. It made them look good. But still no breath. They were dead. Pretty, but dead. All put together, but dead. By now, they're probably smelling good, but dead. Had on a suit and tie, but dead. Had my favorite spot on the church pew, but dead. Sang in the choir and paid tithes, but dead. I'm not trying to be harsh. Or tear us down. I'm just being real. And the fact of the matter is the devil is not afraid of pretty bones. He doesn't care how many scriptures we can quote. He doesn't care how programmed we are. He doesn't, he, he doesn't care if we have, uh, if we're all dressed up and we look good. 
none of that bothers him because dead is still dead. We can have the greatest praise team in the county and dead is still dead. The best preacher in the state, the best pastor in the state and dead is still dead. You can have all the doctrines of the church memorized and still be dead. If all we have to present to this lost and dying world is principle and the Bible, we're, we're, we're losing, we're dead. Churches all across this world have this but they have it without the power. And that's that's what separates this apostolic way of life is the power. And if we can't profess the power and if we can't demonstrate the power, then then we're wasting time. If, if, If pastor teaches the gifts of the Spirit for six weeks, but never no manifestation of the Spirit, we're dead. He could teach a 12-step program on healing and we can all get excited about it. But if nobody gets healed, we're dead. We can preach about uh, repentance. We can preach about baptism in Jesus' name. We can preach about infilling of the Holy Ghost by speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. But if nobody receives that in these altars, we are dead. We're not only wasting God's time, but we're wasting ours. When the kingdom of God is present, there is manifestation. Luke 5 and 17 said, And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching. Note there, Jesus was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present. He was teaching, and the power was present to heal them. That's the kingdom. That's how the kingdom works. Principle and power. He was teaching and the power of the Lord was present to heal. There was principle in the valley and the principle had done some good things for Ezekiel. But there was no life. There was no breath. And I say this with great respect and and, and with caution. We've got many principled apostolic Pentecostal churches that have some, some great gatherings. They have great outreaches and they do a lot of good things. But it's sad to say we have, we're limited on how many power churches we have. And if we're going to affect the world around us, if we're going to win the world around us, we're going to have to have a power church. And to have a power church, you've got to press through. To have a power church, when the Lord begins to move at 11.55 on Sunday morning, you've got to press into it. Can't, can't worry about what, what's cooking on the stove. You've got to press. We need the power of God. Ezekiel was not finished. His job was only half done. These bones don't experience the power. You've only give them half the message. What, what, what kind of injustice would we be doing those that are lost if they come through the door and we and we preached a pretty, pretty little toned down message from the truth, from the word of God, but didn't leave no instruction on how to be saved. That's only half the message. That's the place. Ezekiel said in, in, in verse 9, he said, Then he said unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man. Thus saith the Lord of God, Come from the four winds, breathe, breathe upon these slain. That's the place in God where we must get to as a church. 
where the power of God is demonstrated. The sick are healed. The bound and oppressed are delivered. Yokes are broken. Captives set free. Habits and addictions. People released from them. The lost filled with the Holy Ghost. Ezekiel said in 10, I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them and they lived and stood upon their feet an exceeding great army. As our musicians come, I'll try to find a closing point here. That is what the world is looking for. Something that's real, something that's tangible, a place where they can have new life breathed into them. Old things passed away and become a new creature in Christ. I I don't blame people for not wanting to go to a dead church. Because I, I don't neither. And we can't blame people. We can't get our feathers ruffled at people who have trouble believing this apostolic message if there is no evidence of power to back it up. In Acts 1 and 8, Jesus said, I'm going to give, I'm going to, you're going to receive principle and knowledge and understanding. Mm -mm. Jesus said, you shall receive power. Power. Jesus, Jesus didn't say we would receive principle and knowledge and understanding. That's important. We got to have it. But he said, I'm going away, but I'm going to give you some power. Principle and knowledge can sit on a shelf and gather dust, but power is action. Power moves. Power heals. Power delivers. And power is dangerous to hell. It's the power. It's the power that filled the upper room and filled 120 with the Holy Ghost. There had to be more to Ezekiel's message than words. There had to be power and breath. There had to be some wind. It was the wind that raised the bones to life. It was the power. And it's the power that will keep our church on this revival track that we find ourselves on. But ladies and gentlemen, we've got to continue to push. When you don't feel like pressing, press on. When you don't feel like praying, pray on. The real thing is the power of the Holy Ghost. The question is not, is the Holy Ghost, is it power? The question is, is do we got the Holy Ghost power? Or all we have is a profession. I want to possess it. I, I, I believe God is stirring his church and I believe there is a hunger in the church for apostolic anointing and apostolic power like the apostles had. And I want to be full of the Holy Ghost. And I'm not standing here professing holier than thou. That's, that's, that's the furthest thing from what I'm talking about. But I want to stay prayed up and full of the Holy Ghost because when I encounter someone who needs a divine touch from the Master, I don't want to stand there with cold feet trembling, not sure what to say, not sure what to do. The, the portion in the Bible where it talks about being instant in season and out of season is not contained to just having a, a, a preached word ready. It's talking about no matter what you face, no matter who you come in contact with, you be ready to let the power of God demonstrate through you. Full of the Holy Ghost. Full of the Holy Ghost is the only way that that can take place. I would, I would do never say anything to embarrass my mother or Jennifer, but a couple of weeks ago, 
I'd come in and we, for whatever reason, we was gathered down at Mama's and and uh, apparently my mother had to discipline Ethan that day and so his he was stirred up at her a little bit and so he runs down to Aunt Jenny's and I reckon Aunt Jenny had to discipline him too and he was he was really ruffled with her and then in comes Uncle Jerry and uh, you know I, I'm <laughs> I'm all bark no bite you know there's nothing wrong with with little ones or children them having you wrapped around their finger uh, there's nothing wrong with that but you got a problem when they know it and and my nephews and nieces know it. Uh, uh, whatever they need, Uncle Jerry will do. But I, I'd, I'd come in, and I don't even know where this conversation, how it got started, or where it led to. But but we we was talking about church, and and Ethan said something about Grandma. Uh, Grandma, most of the time, she's got about ninety percent of the Holy Ghost. And I I said, Well, Ethan, what are you talking about? He said, Well, sometimes Grandma, she, she's only got about ninety percent. And then he said, Aunt Jenny, when today she only had about 70%. And so I, my curiosity is striped, and, and I, it, it's only because I give them everything they want that he said this, but, and I'm not patting myself on the back. I said, well, how much has Uncle Jerry got? He said, well, you got 100%. He said, he said you got a lot of patience with me. And we're laughing, and that's okay. But as I laid down that night to begin to go to sleep, I thought, my God, what happens when I go out into the world and God places a situation in my path? He allows me to come in contact with somebody that I can make an eternal difference in their life. And I only find myself half full of the Holy Ghost. We cannot change the world around us. This world is sick and it's going to hell. And the world needs God. And we have what the world needs. But ladies and gentlemen, at some point, we've got to stand up and rise to our feet and not just profess it, but take possession of it and claim it. Would you stand across this house with me this evening? Can we lift our hands to heaven and ask the Lord? Ask him right now in this prayer. God, I want you to help me to possess, to take claim of what is mine, what you promised me. Mighty God, we love you today, Father, and we thank you for the privilege, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. 
Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.